Hello there, everyone. My name's Andrew. And I'm Cassie. And this is the Culips English Podcast. Hey there, Culips listeners. Welcome back. Today, we have a Chatterbox episode prepared for you. And if you don't know what Chatterbox is, let me explain. It is our series for intermediate and advanced English language learners that features natural conversations about fascinating topics. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Cassie. Hey there, Cassie. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? I'm doing great. And I'm pumped for our topic today, Cassie. We're going to talk about a really interesting economic issue that's happening right now. And I'm sure it's going to be a great conversation. But before we do that, we have a couple of housekeeping things to take care of. The first is that I want to let all of our listeners know about the study guide and transcript that are available for this episode. So listeners, if you want to follow along with our study guide while you listen to us here today, we would highly recommend doing that. It's a great way to study with our material. Now, in the study guide, you'll find the full transcript along with detailed vocabulary explanations and examples of the most important vocabulary that you'll hear Cassie and I use in this conversation. There's also a quiz and some prompts that you can use for journaling or writing practice or speaking practice. It's a great resource and it's available for all Qlips members. So to sign up, become a Qlips member and get the study guide, just visit our website, qlips.com. And our last order of business before we get started is our shout out for this episode. Anuja from Sri Lanka left a five-star rating and a great review on Apple Podcasts. Anuja wrote, I'm a Sri Lankan newbie here. Actually, you're doing an extremely good job. I became an avid English learner, especially after listening to your podcasts. Top class podcast. Thanks, Anuja. Thank you, Anuja. It's great to hear that we have some listeners in Sri Lanka. That's so cool. And Cassie, I've noticed lately we've had an uptick in the amount of listeners coming from that part of the world, from India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka. So if anyone is listening in that part of Central Asia, the Indian subcontinent, that area of the world, and you're a new Culips listener, welcome. It's great to have you here. Yes, I completely agree. Now, with that said, all of our business has been taken care of and we can get started with this episode, which is actually kind of about business, isn't it, Cassie? We are going to talk today <laughs> about supply and demand during this pandemic era. So supply and demand is an economics term that just really relates to how many products are available for consumers to buy and how badly consumers want those products. And when there is a lot of supply and low demand, that usually makes for low prices and it's hard to sell those kind of products where there's high supply and low demand. The opposite is also true. When there's a little supply and high demand, it means that everybody wants to buy the product, but there's not very many available. And as a result, prices skyrocket, go through the roof. And uh, it's just a really interesting situation. 
The inspiration for this episode, Cassie, actually comes from a story that you were telling me about rental cars. So could you share that with all of our listeners? Yeah, totally. So, you know, after COVID, a lot of industries, you know, their supply and demand have really been out of whack, like ups and downs, totally irregular to what they usually are, especially the rental car industry. So after COVID hit, tourism came to a dead halt. Nobody was going anywhere. You were stuck at home. So the rental car companies lost 90% of their demand and they had to sell off hundreds of thousands of cars to survive. And now that tourism is picking up again, they're running into the opposite problem. There's not enough cars and all these people that want to rent them. And as a result, the prices are through the roof, like double and triple, even quadruple what they used to be before COVID. Yeah, that's so interesting, Cassie. And I want to just break down what you said there a little bit. Mm. The first important expression that you used was out of whack. You said supply and demand are out of whack. Could you break this one down for us? What does it mean if something is out of whack? Yeah, out of whack means uh, it's kind of the opposite of, you know, in tune, regular. So if something is going the way it usually is, it's in tune, it's in line with itself. But if something changes drastically suddenly, then it suddenly goes out of whack. It's irregular. It's not in tune or in line with its normal situation. Right. So I guess in a kind of perfect economic situation, and I have to say I'm not an economist, so maybe <laughs> this is not a perfect situation, but I guess maybe it is you would have supply and demand be kind of balanced, right? They'd be mm. in equilibrium. And this would be good for consumers and also good for sellers. However, now supply and demand, at least of rental cars, is out of whack. So it means that the demand is really high and the supply is really low. And Cassie, I can imagine that after all of the lockdowns that people around the world have been going through, uh, many people want to travel and get away as soon as, you know, as possible. And in certain parts of the world now, that is becoming possible again. And this would mean that there's a huge increase in the demand for travel and for rental cars. And you actually had a couple of funny anecdotes to talk about <laughs> in regard to this. Do you mind sharing them with us? Yeah, sure. So the first one is actually about my aunt. She lives in Sweden 95% of the year. And then she comes for a couple of weeks in the summer. And usually her and her family rent a minivan. And it costs about $1,000 for those few weeks. But this summer, her rental car costs more than her plane tickets for her whole family. It's, you know, upwards of $3,000. It's insane. <laughs> and I've also heard that in uh, Hawaii, you know, it's already an island cut off from the mainland. They have shortages in a normal season sometimes. Yeah. But there, people are so desperate for cars there that people are renting U-Hauls, which are like big 
trucks that you use to move you know, furniture when you're moving between houses. They are not meant for tourism. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. When I heard that, I couldn't help but laugh because uh, a U-Haul truck is a kind of rental vehicle, but it's not a passenger car. It's like a small truck that you can use when you're moving from one house to another house. So that's hilarious that some people would choose to rent a U-Haul instead of uh, a rental car. I could imagine that that would be extremely expensive as well because they use a lot of gas. <laughs> I read an article about Tampa, Florida that said the cost of a rental car can run up to $500 for one day, which is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense just to maybe hold out a little longer on travel plans until things return back to normal, I think, with supply and demand of rental cars. That is, if you are planning to rent a car. I agree. Or you and I mentioned before recording, it might be better to just buy a beater car and try mm -hmm. to resell it after your trip. And a beater car is, you know, a really cheap used car that you can get for just a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Yeah, buy a beater and then sell it off later. It's a good idea, but actually, Cassie, I have a friend who has been shopping for a used car recently, and that friend told me that the used car market is also really bizarre right now, and mm -hmm. um, it's even more expensive to buy a used car. And I think the reason why this is, is when COVID struck and the pandemic happened, there was a lot of economic uncertainty, right? People were mm -hmm. afraid. Will I lose my job? Will I lose my house? What will happen? Will the government help us? Will the government not help us? And it just kind of made a lot of people think, now is not the time to buy a new car, <laughs> right? It's like, maybe I want a new car, but I don't really need it. I could wait a year or two. Let's just wait until things return to normal. And then I could make a big financial decision like that. So as a result, the used car supply kind of evaporated and uh, it's just another supply and demand issue where you have people wanting to buy used cars, maybe the same amount, but just fewer cars on the market and the prices have gone up. So it might be even hard to buy a beater <laughs> for your vacation. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh my gosh. Everybody, anybody who's looking for a car to rent or buy, I wish you luck. Now, it's not only with cars, right, that these supply and demand issues are happening. I have a funny story that I heard, again, from one of my American friends in California. You know, California is a really hot place. And because of the pandemic, places where you would usually go to relax and cool down in the hot weather have been closed. So public mm. swimming pools are closed, some beaches are closed, and the water parks are closed. So a lot of people have been installing backyard swimming pools as a way to just, you know, chill out at home, spend some time in the sun, but also cool down at the same time. So my friend was like, huh, maybe I should do this for my place in California. Let me just call the pool guys and find out how much it would cost to install a pool in my backyard. He was thinking it's going to be expensive, of course, because pools aren't cheap, but he just wanted to get an estimate. 
So he called the pool company. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the company name, but he, he called the pool <laughs> company and said, uh, I'd just like to inquire about installing a, a pool for my family in my backyard. Could you give me an estimate about how much that would cost? And the pool guy said, <laughs> buddy, like join the waiting list. It's going to be like two to three years before we could get out and install a pool in your backyard. There are just so many people who want pools right now, but there are not enough people to install them. So as a result, the waiting list is really long and it's hard to buy the equipment to install all of these pools. So yeah, we're, we're also seeing supply and demand out of whack in swimming pools as well. That's crazy. Two to three year wait to get your swimming pool installed. Ooh, uh. However, it's really great for the uh, swimming pool installment companies. I guess that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably would feel confident enough to buy a new car. They're like, I've got three years of guaranteed work. I can buy that new car. Yeah, Cassie, again, I need to repeat, I'm not an expert at the economy or anything like that. But it seems to me from my perspective that the economic winners after the pandemic are people who have businesses related to housing, any kind of thing related to your home, any home upgrade, like a swimming pool in the backyard. Maybe it's about furniture. I had a similar situation with my wife. She bought an office chair because she's working from home and wanted to upgrade her office chair. And it took like three months to get delivered because the waiting line was so long for these office chairs. So any kind of thing that is related to a housing upgrade, those companies are really doing well during this pandemic. Yeah, not even things related to houses, but just houses in general are causing a bit of a economic dilemma, at least in the United States. So at the beginning of the pandemic, especially in the big cities with high rents, such as San Francisco, New York, LA, Chicago. Uh, people who live there realized, you know, they're out of work. They can't afford rent. A lot of them live month to month and they had a choice, become homeless or, you know, move out of the city. So as a result, People are flooding in this mass exodus from big cities and flooding into the nearby small towns and states like Californians move to Arizona or Oregon and New Yorkers move to New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And as a result, the housing prices in these areas are skyrocketing. Houses are on the market for like less than a week. They're selling like hotcakes. Because there's so much demand in areas that have uh, traditionally lower rent or lower housing prices than the big cities. Yeah. And it's not only that. It's that issue that you mentioned about people who were forced out of these expensive areas like cities because of economic reasons. But it's also work from home thrown on top. So you have people working in, say, San Francisco, for example, maybe in the tech industry, and they have a high salary, they're living in a high cost of living area like San Francisco, but suddenly they don't have to go to the office every day. So they could move out of San Francisco to a place maybe like Texas. I heard a lot of Californian residents move to Texas, especially high income 
earners because there are no personal income taxes in Texas. So they wouldn't have、mm. to pay as high of taxes as they do in California. So you have people like this moving to lower cost of living areas as well. And the result is that housing prices in these areas outside of the cities skyrockets. And that creates so many economic problems from top to bottom. And yeah, it's really kind of interesting. I don't know how things will normalize again, or it will be interesting to see how things do normalize and what the real estate landscape looks like once this pandemic is all said and done. Yeah, not just that, the political landscape too. It causes a lot of societal unrest as well. Like, Um, I can say for my mom's neighborhood, it's a traditionally conservative, <laughs> white, suburban kind of place. But because of this influx of, you know, traditionally left leaning democratic city dwellers moving into these rural areas, it's causing this, you know, dichotomy of this was my home first. You can't come here and I deserve to be here just as much as you do kind of. Argument between neighbors. Right. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I have to say, the exact same issue is happening in Canada as well. And it's causing many problems. I have some acquaintances who just made the national news in Canada, which is the CBC News, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. I saw them. On the front page of the news. And the story was that they are getting kicked out of their rental house because the owner of the house wanted to sell and cash in on the high housing prices right now. So it was a good opportunity for the housing owner to sell the house. However, the buyer of the house didn't want to continue having the house as a rental property. So they are evicting the family that's living inside. The house right now, who are the acquaintances of mine. They have two small kids and they're looking for another rental house in my hometown of Kelowna. However, the problem is there just aren't any rental houses available because、um, the vacancy rate is very, very low. And、uh, nobody really wants to rent houses to families anymore. It's just like.、Mm. Very, very difficult to find this kind of accommodation. You can find、uh, a one bedroom apartment and a two bedroom apartment, but to find a whole house that's available for rent, it's just really, really difficult in this kind of economic situation. So they were saying that they don't really know what to do. They could go and move back with their parents, but they're almost 40 years old and they have kids. So that doesn't seem like a great option for them. But they're kind of stuck and they don't know exactly what to do. They were asking the government to maybe you know, think about some solutions to these problems, but I wouldn't count on that happening anytime soon if I were them. Yeah. If、uh, you know, the quarantine and shutdowns weren't enough, it seems like COVID is finding a way to、uh, stay in our lives even after it's no longer a major health concern. Yeah, I think it's going to be years until we finally know the exact consequences of COVID from an economic perspective, but、uh, it's certainly fascinating to talk about, isn't it? Yes, I agree.
Well, listeners, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you found it as fun and interesting as Cassie and I did. And if you enjoy listening to Qlips, and if you learn a lot with us and find us helpful for your English development, then we would love it if you could support us. And there are several ways that you can do that. The best way to support us is to sign up and become a member on our website, Qlips.com. But that's not the only way. Alternatively, you could follow us on social media, leave us a five-star rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help other English learners around the world learn about Qlips and study English with us. Or finally, you could tell your friends who are learning English to tune in and check us out. If you have a question, a comment, or even better, a suggestion for an upcoming episode, we would love to hear your ideas. And you can contact us through email at our email address, contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at qlips.com. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. See ya.